We are live from Hype Studios LA, located in Chatsworth, California. Welcome to the Hype Hour, hosted by yours truly, Augie Ray. On our show, we have candid conversations with some of the biggest and brightest minds. Whether it's fashion, music, entrepreneurship, or philanthropy, we cover it all on the Hype Hour. Yo, so today on the Hype Hour, um, instead of saying we have a special guest, man, I'm going to say that we got a serial entrepreneur in the building. Um, we have Caleb Platt from uh, many different ventures, uh, but go ahead and uh, just talk about yourself for a little bit um, of, you know, how'd you get into serial, serial entrepreneuring? Like what, what turned you on to that? Um, actually, I would say, you know, the first thing that turned me on to uh, entrepreneurship was my uncle. Um, I actually grew up with my uncle and he kind of helped raise me. So he kind of taught me pretty much everything I know about real estate, everything I know about business, um, kept me real business minded. And I think that, you know, having that, that influence back then, um, and growing up with that mixed with, you know, certain interests that I have and things like that. I've always been interested in real estate. I've always liked properties. I've always liked, uh, nicer things. Yeah. Um, that kind of led me to, you know, going into business. Yeah. Um, starting up businesses and seeing, you know, what works, what what doesn't work and not really having that fear. Yeah. I think that that's that's been key. What was me. the what was like one of the first things that you as far as like going into entrepreneurship? What was like one of the first things that you kind of uh dilly-dabbled in? And that can take you all the way back to like when you were 6 years old or what? Like is there, you know, any uh like recollections from back oh, in the yeah, day? Definitely, definitely. I, I would think the first thing that I dabbled in was, uh, and probably most people, or at least I would say a few people have done this, is, is in high school and middle school, I used to sell candy. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was selling money. candy too. Yeah, okay. Everybody was yeah. selling candy. Yeah. So <laughs> I had got to a point where I had a couple of my buddies selling candy for me. Mm. Um, and then we got caught by the principal, took all our money, yeah. called our parents up, and it was just like, I mean, what are they doing? Yeah. Like, what's wrong? You know, well, so. well, why is that? You know, the crazy thing is like that should be encouraged, right? Yeah. Like when I came home, like and my parents knew I was selling candy, so I went from selling candy. I would go to ninety nine cent store when you got three for a dollar, right? Yeah. And at first, I thought I was making cake. I was like, okay, my margins. I mean, I didn't know what margins were at that time, but right. I really was like, okay, I'm making some money, you know. And then I found a wholesaler that. Uh, and how did I find a wholesaler at like eleven or thirteen years old or whatever? It was really like my friend was selling candy. Candy, but he wasn't selling candy as fast as I was. And I found out that his dad worked at a um, candy shop. And so he would get snicker bo boxes and sell them to me for 10 bucks. And I was, um, you know, that was the 48 pack back then. You know what I mean? So $10, 48, you know, that's 48 bucks. I just came up, you know, $38. You know yeah. what I mean? But And at, I mean, at, at 11 and 13 years old, that's, that is cake. <laughs> that's, that's, that's money. Yeah. That's money. Um, you know, I think for me, it was more so like, I think that it should be it should be taught that you should be more entrepreneurial. You should be more adventurous. You should actually get out there and do more things. Mm. Um, experiment, you know. Well, um, I think that you know everything is taught to be conformed to a box. Um, you grow up, you go to school, you do this, you do that, and you stay within that box. You don't think outside that box. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think kind of constricts people a lot. So. I, I'm with you. I think it should be it should be uh, more uh, promoted. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'm like is is crazy. It's just like I'm getting into investments, you know, and I've been in investments before. Just thinking, 
you know, but prior to this, there's no knowledge on, you know, how to keep your credit card or, you know, up or like your credit score. I, I mean, at least I think, you know, I don't know, for me, my upbringing wasn't, uh, you know, we didn't focus so much on, on those things or whatever, which I feel like as a young black man, like these are things that we have to struggle to like really oh, open yeah. up, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? To even get a credit card. As a young black man, it's, yeah. it's very difficult. You know, yeah. it's, it, I have friends that, you know, they go and apply for credit cards. Boom, right there, thousand dollar limit. Mm. And I'm like, man, I had to put up a secured, <laughs> secured line of credit Jeez. just to get five hundred. Yeah, you know, um, it's wild. You know, but but you know, facing those challenges, facing those those adversities, kind of help you out as well because, again, it le- it lends you to thinking outside the box. Mm. What can I do? To, to get ahead what can I do to get to where I want to be yeah um, and really just becoming uh, how do you say uh, uh, impenetrable because you're always gonna have challenges so it's just a matter of you know what, what are you gonna do to, to overcome them? yeah and so what do you do I mean during this time obviously you know we're in this period of uh, you know COVID and you know it's gonna be a significant point in history or whatever and just like 2008 you know was significant for the people before us or whatever um, you know building their um, you know brands and things like that and so like during this time and and just in general you know how how do you overcome like certain obstacles as far as you know when it comes down to to doing business and creating your own business mm. That's a real good question. Um, I think, you know, like everyone else, when COVID first hit, I thought, you know, I mean, this is it. Like, it's probably going to be bad. <laughs> Just Armageddon, man. Get, man. Get out of man, here. Yeah. Get your weapons. Get whatever you got to do to, like, protect yourself. Get your people <laughs> people yeah. are going to go crazy. Yeah. So, for me, it was like, um, you know, kind of, like, hunker down and see, like, see what happens. See if you can hold out and ride it out. Um, and, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? This is just a challenge, just like everything else. Um, there's going to be different ways that you can make money in a recession. There's going to be different services that come up that are that are in high demand now because you're in a recession. So really brainstorming, really thinking about what can I do? Like, how can I change the system? How can I work differently to work within the recession or work within what's going on with COVID and things like that and all the closures? So for me, it was really, it's, it's always just being really resilient, mm-hmm. um, always looking at the positives. Um, I acknowledge, you know, that there's challenges. I acknowledge that there's hardships. I acknowledge that we're going to face some sort of obstacle. But all right, cool. We still got to keep it pushing. So how do we get around that? Yeah. What are so, new ways you've, you've, you've kind of pivoted during this time? I mean, I know a lot of businesses, including ours, you know, has, you have to, you have to kind of pivot, you, yeah. you know, like people aren't going into buildings as much yeah. and as often, you know, yeah. so can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> primarily, uh, my, my primary business is actually CP3 development. It is a real estate, a full scale real estate development firm. Um, we do everything from raw land all the way through engineering plans, permits, and construction. So, wow. Um, for me, what what I really did as a key decision maker in the company when COVID hit is I pivoted from going from what would you call small lot subdivisions, which are single family residences. Um, I pivoted from from building those out and working on those projects as much, and I went strictly towards multifamily. Mm. Um, Why is that? The main reason being is because if you look at trends at multifamily in the the residential market, whenever you have recessions, multifamily goes up. Mm. It's stronger. Most people can't buy. They need a place to live. You get government subsidies. Um, 
they're paying the rent. So it's, it's an asset that is always doing good for the most part. Um, even in times of a boom, of a market boom, usually multifamily is still doing well. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, if I can get into to multifamily and doing development of multifamily and then ownership of multifamily, um, the cheapest way to ownership is to build it. Mm. Um, wow. So I love that. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so for me, if I'm, if I'm going to get into a 20-unit apartment building and it's going to cost me $18 million to buy it, but I could build it for, say, 10. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's an $8 million savings. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then at the end of the day, you could still flip it, you could still sell it, and you can, you can gain that, that profit. Um, so for me, it was just, you know, kind of making that pivot, um, kind of going from the single family to, to more of a multifamily approach and, and really just becoming a multifamily developer. Mm. Um, I think that that, hands down, is, is, is probably the most resilient um, asset, especially right now. Because even if you look at commercial, commercial is down. Mm. Um, nobody's in offices. Yeah. Um, if you look at gyms, they're closing down. They're going out of business. So it's like these commercial facilities, they're, they're not able to keep the same overhead, especially mm. in recession. Yeah. Um, they take the hit the most. And, so. and so what do you do with those those commercial buildings? Do you see, I mean, because that was, uh, you know, one of the questions I, I really wanted to get to also is, you know, during this time, obviously, you know, supply is, you know, low, you know what yeah. I mean? Like our, or is high, but it's, you know, it's not as in demand, you know what right. I mean? So right. that means prices, you know, go, yeah, yeah, go low. So f- for a person like you or whatever looking for, I mean, are you more so, uh, as you're building these just to put people up on game, like, are you looking for land? Are you looking for like uh, vacant lots that you can, you know, kind of take over? Because right now it's open season for for, oh, yeah. for you. You know, it's what I mean? so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything is great. Um, when it comes to when it comes to certain properties, especially right now, when when the market is suppressed and you're in a position of buying, um, I have a lot of investors that 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 I partner with um, from different countries as well as the U.S. Um, and when you're in a position to buy. It's always better if you can buy something that's either raw land or something that you're going to tear down. So mm. um, distressed properties, things like that. And you can basically rezone them or reuse them. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do is I actually partner with, not even partner, but I, I basically work with a lot of brokers Yeah. Um, in the area. I call up all the brokers that I know that are dealing with land, that are dealing with uh some distressed properties, and I basically tell them, I need you to aggregate properties for me. Um, if you have one listing, I need you to go and talk to the neighbors and see if they're willing to sell. Mm. And if they're willing to sell, then we have two or three properties in a contiguous lot. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. They're, they're all connected. Then we can go in with investors. We can take down that property. We can buy it, do the development, and build it out. Wow. Um, and you get it at better rates. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, to answer your question, when prices are suppressed, we're buying. Mm. We're buying. Okay, and the interest rates are super low. I mean, is that the same for multifamily um, or multi-unit right. place spaces? Okay. Well, what I'm seeing is construction across the board is is pretty. The, the interest rates are pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go into raw land, that's usually a more riskier uh, asset. So if you're going to raw land versus a distressed property with a single-family residence on it, um, that kind of that kind of risk of going into raw land, vacant land, um, 
you it comes with a higher interest rate. Okay. Um, like we we just tied up a property in Lawndale actually where we were getting a, we're getting a pretty high interest rate on it. So it's a vacant piece of property. Oh wow. Okay. Um, but again, we we just tied up another property. We actually just closed on it in K Town. Wow. And, and that one. Oh, yeah. thank you, thank you. That the one in K Town is basically at a five percent interest rate, which is great. Yeah. Um, there's many ways you could take down property. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what people don't. I think that that's the conversation that people need to have or people need to at least be educated on. There's there's so many different ways you can take down or buy property. Um, you don't always have to go with a construction loan. You don't always have to go with a conventional bank. You can go with hard money. You don't always have to have good credit history, mm. um, especially if you go hard money loans. Um, hard money loans are going to usually give you a higher interest rate, but they don't necessarily look at your credit history. Mm. So... Um, you know, it's, it's just different ways you could be creative Yeah. and again, have that resiliency because one bank may tell, you no. if you go to five others, maybe someone will tell you yes. Yeah, okay. Wow. Okay. And what, what do you feel like, you know, makes a good, uh, just for our listeners, like what makes a good place to start looking for property? Like what intrigues you? What makes you go, Oh, okay. This is a place that I would, I would either buy raw land or I would, you know, invest just in like what I'm seeing. Like, how do you, how do you evaluate that as, you know? Right. So, um, for me is, it's not really, I don't really follow the hype. Like for example, people say Inglewood is, is, is a popping place now. Like that's the place to be. Okay. Well, I'm going to stay away from Inglewood mm-hmm. because that means that because it's a popping place to be, uh, quote unquote, you're going to have inflated valuation or inflated, um, how do you say, uh, assessments where, where people are assessing what the value is and it's not necessarily there. Mm. Um, now, I think that Inglewood is a great place. Currently, there's a lot of stuff going on in Inglewood and I think that it's going to be eventually um, greater value coming up to Inglewood. But like I said, I don't, I don't really follow the hype. So for me, it's more so looking at spreads, looking at how much profit can I make versus the effort. Um, if I go into Londo, for example, and I can pick up a lot for 200, 250,000 and it's just vacant land and I know I can build a house for 200 to 250,000 hmm. and I can sell that same house for 700. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You look at the spread and you say, okay, well, I have a better spread if I'm in Lawndale versus if I'm in Manhattan Beach, right? Mm. Because if I go in Manhattan Beach, that same square footage may cost me a million. Yeah. Um, I built the same house. Maybe it cost me a little bit more, but maybe my spread's a little bit more, but more than likely, you know what I'm saying, you're going to close that gap because the land value is so much higher. Mm. Um, so, you know, I look, at the, I look at the spread and I also look at, you know, how much effort it's going to take me to get through that jurisdiction because each city has a different jurisdiction. So that you got to find. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, you are always, you know, uh, as successful as you are. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you have your hills and your valleys or whatnot. Yeah. And so like, what kind of was the defining moment that, you know, locked in your head that you were like, okay, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, this is where it gets deep. Yeah. Um, for me, actually, it was my past relationship. Okay. Um, so I used to work for a developer, actually, in, in Chatsworth, California. Um, basically learned the majority of everything that, that I know about real estate development working with them. Um, I was with my ex um, at the time. You know, long story short, our relationship went south, and we kind of split. Um, for me, like, I was kind of down on myself. I really felt that I had lost out. And... 
for me, it was like a defining moment of, am I going to sit here and work for this company forever, for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. and, and continue to be subject to whatever they think that I'm worth? Um, or am I going to get out there and, and, and make something happen for myself? Um, and, you know, once, once my ex and I, once we split, I felt like I didn't have that responsibility to keep something stable to support someone else. So for me, it was more so like, okay, now that I have that freedom and not to say that we were, I was in bondage, but now that I have that freedom and it's just me, I can take more risk and I can actually get out there and start something. If it fails, at least I tried, you know? So for me, it was more so like really going into development and seeing how much money can be made, how many different things you can do in development, because you don't always just have to do development. You don't always have to do construction. You can do uh, mortgages, you can do loans, you can do refinances you can actually do the development side you can do the expediting side where you're taking the plans through plan check like there's just so many different like avenues that you can make money in Mm. in real estate so um for me it was just like you know really locking in and seeing like you know this is actually a very profitable business and the exponential growth is insane so for me it was like a no-brainer um this is what i want to do i like real estate i've always liked real estate Plus, you know, it's, it's, I see it as a very secure asset. No one can get up with the house and run off with it. Yeah. Or let alone an apartment <laughs> building. So it's like, you they know. They got to live somewhere, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, I think that that was like the key moment for me that, that kind of just pushed me or catapulted me into actually starting my own development firm and just going, going yeah. for it all in. Yeah. Do you, I mean, thinking about like how you kind of uh, started and in, in, in putting everything together are there any, you know, like as as you move forward um, with how everything's going on, do you ever just think like, what if this doesn't work or what if this doesn't pan out? All the time. Mm. <laughs> All the time. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that is preparation, you know. Um, you're always going to have that kind of tug of war where you're thinking like, okay, well, what if, what if, what if, what if? But what if it does work, mm. you know? Um, so it's, it's always about, you know, taking the risk, but minimizing your, your exposure. You see what I'm saying? So at the same time, if you want to win and you want to actually do something great, you're going to have to take some sort of risk. Mm. Um, I think that that's like the only way that you're going to be able to, um, make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think of, uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, and I bring this up a lot because I think that, the hero, they call it the hero's odyssey, but it's the rise and fall of the hero or whatever. And it, it's really like, if you look at like like the greatest stories of all time, right? You think of like, let's just say like Star Wars, right? Or right. Let's, let's even just say like, um, let's say Finding Nemo, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's a great story yeah. because one, you got Dory in there and she's like, let's just keep swimming. Like, I didn't know what that was until I was, you know, yeah. 20 years old or I was like oh she's talking about like when you're afraid exactly. and you don't know just where you're gonna keep swimming just keep and going it is that it yeah. is that um a lot of times like just to, to, to yeah. kind of go off of what you were talking about is that like a lot of times once you out there it was here's an analogy like when when I first started my business CP3 development I literally had the analogy and I was talking to friends I was talking to family and I was like look it's like quitting your job and having like no income mm was hard and I still had bills I still had responsibilities I still had student loans I still had a car and I had to live um so for me it was just like the analogy I gave was that it's like jumping out into the water into the into the ocean 
you either gonna sink or swim. You're out there. So you're gonna have to swim um, until you can't swim no more. And then, you know, at that point, you, you have to contend with what you have to contend with or you have to deal with what comes at that point. You yeah. see what I'm saying? But what do you think about the type of people that uh, they actually sink? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think about, like, if I think about myself, I think, okay, like, I'm never going to sink because mm-hmm. I just keep on going. Mm-hmm. But uh, it takes a lot of perseverance and, you know, yeah. fighting through your own self-doubt yeah. Yeah. Um, and de- demystifying, like, what you don't know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Um, but, like... Just to go back on that question, like what are, what type of people do you think actually sink? Like, and why do you think they sink? I think that well, first first and foremost, I think that you know the people that do sink because we all do mm-hmm. at some point um, with some things or whatever it may be. But the bounce back or the recovery is is the most important. Um, I think that you know, for example, using that same analogy, if you jump out there in the water and you just gun ho swimming as hard as you can and you start to sink then you can kind of look back and say, okay, well, what did I do in the beginning? Did I I spend too much energy doing this? Did I spend too much energy doing that or focusing on this? Um, And that kind of took away from my goal or it kind of like led me to to fatigue earlier. Yeah, You see what I'm saying? So kind of learning from your past mistakes and things like that and then using that to your advantage. Um, I think that there's there's experience in everything, you know? Um, I've had things that I've tried that have failed miserably yeah and it's just like okay well i learned my lesson from that not to say that i wouldn't even try that business or try that venture again but it would be like i'm gonna do it different Mm. um because i definitely learned the last time yeah so i think that the key is to learn to even even if you're winning even if you're winning right like the key is like okay well what am i doing now how can i do it different um how can i improve and you know the the thing is that they have that common uh, saying that's basically don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You know, um, if it's working, don't bother. Yeah. Right. I don't necessarily agree because mm. I think that you can always improve. Um, you can always do something a little bit better. Or you can change the way that you're doing something. Um, look at gyms nowadays. Uh, no one would have thought that a virus <laughs> would, would put gyms out of business totally large commercial brands yeah and that was a wheel that was working it's always been working it's been working for years and virus comes out of nowhere boom yeah done yeah you see what i'm saying so it's like there's there's always different ways that you can you can kind of change it up or make it a little bit different or improve so yeah i mean and i think one thing that i'm i'm really big on or whatever is 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 learning you know what i mean like uh and I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that when we get fearful, sometimes our ego uh, takes us to another place, right? It takes us to a place not of, uh, it could be good things and bad things, but, you know, like I, I've really been studying this this idea of the ego. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you read the book, uh, Ego is the Enemy, no. but um, it just talks about like how, you know, you, you build this identification behind, you know, something that uh, you want subliminally to protect you. You know what I mean? It's like it it kind of uh, comes out in places where you're afraid or you're fearful. So you have to be like, yeah, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And right. But it really is like this, and, and I kind of compare like, you know, arrogance to ignorance. It's like, right. uh, you know, arrogance doesn't want to know anything. It knows everything. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so um, I think a lot of times like certain businesses – 
you know, they find it hard to take a real deep dive and look inside. You know, mm-hmm. the the companies like you brought up gyms or whatever that have pivoted, like, you know, even Zumba. I'm actually really in- inspired by, like, my wife is a Zumba instructor. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy because they've built, like, a whole platform, like, in the, the span of, like, two months or whatever to support, like, Zumba instructors that can't go to a facility or whatever, but, you know, like instead of using Zoom, they're using this, you know, virtual Zoom or virtual, you know, thing to to help with Zumba or whatever. And some of these other companies that have pivoted towards, you know, like let's let's think about like like Orange Theory. They were doing like some really cool stuff like where they were giving out free trainings every morning just to keep people involved or whatever. But the big guys, you know what I mean? Like 24 hour fitness that just decided to the ones that you thought would never go out of business. (laughs) Yeah. They just they just sat there like okay we're just gonna let this time write it out yeah you know yeah and look what happened you know it's 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 about and what i mean it it may sound bad but one thing that i can say that i actually love about what happened with covid is that it leveled the playing field Mm. and it showed you that anybody could get touched you know what i'm saying it's not just the big guys that are unprotected that are protected and that have this high level um, of success and, and no one else can, can rise to that, to that level as well. Yeah. Um, I think that it showed, um, it showed that clearly with 24 going out of business, filing for bankruptcy. It's crazy. Um, Equinox shutting down locations. Um, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, and that's just in one segment of the market. Yeah. It's just in fitness. Um, you have other companies like Amazon, of course, which are killing Killing it. it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it really it really teaches you that you know what, like, if I'm gonna make it in this life, and I'm gonna do something, and I want to actually make something of myself within this life, because we all only get one, you know. Then I have to be resilient. I have to roll with the punches. I gotta keep swimming, mm. you know, because the challenges, as you know, like this is written. Yeah, challenges are gonna come. They are gonna come, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they are gonna come. Never said you were gonna be protected from challenges. Yeah, you are gonna face challenge. But what are you going to do when you're faced with it? When you get it, so. yeah. Yeah, and I think learning, right? Like going back to that uh, understanding, it's like mm-hmm. I, I look at um, some of the greats, like, you know, um, as much as people didn't like Steve Jobs, you know, we would definitely put him up there with the greats, right? Yeah. And it's like anytime something, you know, disruptive happens, you have to be able to be knowledgeable and research your market. You got to understand, like, you know, they said that uh, Steve Jobs, like, wrote up, uh, like, some crazy, like, two-page article on, you know, the iPhone at at first, Mm -hmm. right? Like, at the Mm -hmm. beginning stages of the iPhone. Nobody looked at it. Then he put up a billboard that had two words, think different, and everybody was on that same page. You know what I mean? And he understood his market. You know what I mean? He understood really what people were looking for. At this time, we're more simplistic. You know what I mean? I'm I'm shocked. Like right now we're using, you know, GoPros and you can literally just say, you know, GoPro. I don't want to say it because it's going to turn off our, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but the fact that you can do that in right. this age, you right. know what I mean? Like when I look at anybody that has excuses, I just say, like, how do you have any type of excuse? Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, and I, I, I second that, you know, I think that making excuses is almost selling yourself short. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it is selling yourself short because it's it's almost like you're saying like I don't feel like doing this or I don't think that I can do this. Um because you're making an excuse for it. 
I mean, you have all the resources. And I, I get different people have different situations, different circumstances. Um, but I think that, you know, making excuses for any level of, of achievement or anything that you want to do, if you want to do it, go for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let anything stand in your way. A hundred percent. That's basically what I'm getting at, you know? Yeah. So. And so you being a 10 lane freeway, right? Like, this is kind of like uh, this analogy that actually comes from The Rock, right? Mm -hmm. He, for, for a long time, he looked at himself as just a one you know, one road because that's what society teaches you yeah. is, is yeah. stay focused stay on, that on, on that one yeah. thing or whatever. Oh, you really good at, you know, uh, singing. Okay. Stay, yeah. you're a singer. That's all you, do. you don't produce, you don't do, you sing. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you transforming or whatever, like, you know, what was the road? Cause I, I really, you know, this is an episode also to inspire other, other, you know, young black you know, um, entrepreneurs that are trying to find their way and stuff. And so sometimes they can be stuck up on like, you know, maybe that one thing that somebody told them to do. And, and how do you diversify yourself? How did you get to a place? Because not only do you have, you know, CP3 development, but you also have, you know, your, your, your private gym, right? Yeah. I mean, and some other yeah. stuff going yeah. on. So, yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, diversification is key. Um, you know, I do things like I invest in Bitcoin, I invest in cryptocurrency, um, I try to educate myself, like you said, learning. Um, I try to educate myself on the different facets of business. Um, how can you make money? Um, you know, long time ago when we met, you know, I used to cut hair. Yeah. Um, but that's that's another way you can make money. There's always something you can do, um, and especially if you create or you cultivate talents that you have already. Mm. That it makes it that much easier. You know, so if you have a talent to sing or if you have a talent to play an instrument or you have a talent to cut hair or you have a talent to draw, you can always do something that's going to at least draw you some sort of income. Um, and then it's always about my, my whole model has always been generate the revenue, cut the expense, mm. figure out how to make as much money as you can doing this business, no matter what the cost is. Mm. Figure it out and then look at your business and you you study it and you say, okay, where can I cut my cost? And then from there, you create your spread. Wow. The that's great part, advice. Wow. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, the hardest yeah. part is generating the income. Yeah. So if you can generate that income and then cut the cost, then you create your spread. Wow. Yeah. So, I, mean, I think a lot of people do that backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they look yeah. at it like man, there's so many expenses, like, I can't do this. You right. know what I mean? Rather right. than, like you said, it's like, call for it. Like, mm -hmm. if you can make it, that's how much the space costs. or right. that's how much, you right. know, whatever you're doing right. costs. And you got to be okay with that. And then, you know, evaluate later once everything is up and running. Right, exactly. And that's the key. If you can do it, and if you can foot the bill, then then 100%, that is the way to go, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've, I've not always had or been in a financial position to where I could quote unquote, foot the bill for certain business ventures and things like that. So for me, it was always thinking creative. Um, uh, back when I was in college, actually, I had a, a fitness company where I would buy and sell gym equipment. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and, you know, I found out the hard way. Gym equipment is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you go into, say, a Crunch or a Planet Fitness and you buy out the whole gym and that whole gym may cost you $86,000. Mm, wow. What do you do with $86,000? Where, where am I going to get that from? Yeah. So what I would do is I would secure the gym deal. I would lock it up under contract. I would give myself, say, 14 days. So 
said, okay, we'll pick it up in 14 days. But within that 14 days, what was I doing? I was going and selling that package. Mm. So I'll go sell that package to another wholesaler and say, okay, I have this entire package of equipment. I need a hundred for it. They give me the hundred. They give me a deposit, 50% deposit. They go pick it up. I don't even have to touch it. Wow. See what I'm saying? So yeah. right then and there, you just made a spread off of, off of your effort, basically. You bought a $86,000 package wow. without yeah. putting up any money. Yeah. That's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even when you think about like equity in a house, right? Yeah. I mean, some people hop into a house for two days mm-hmm. and then they sell that same house that they just bought for a super low yeah. and it's already solidified because they, they know who they're going to sell it to and right. all that stuff. So, right. wow, man. I mean, there's a there's a, a wealth of knowledge there. I mean, as far as just like, um, what do you think are like core essentials for like a young entrepreneur? Like if you could look at yourself like at, you know, 10 years ago or whatever and be like, Hey bro, like there's, there's certain things that young entrepreneurs don't know, like the lawyer aspect of mm-hmm. things or getting things mm-hmm. legitimized, mm-hmm. you know, what makes you look like a business and how, how would you like, what kind of advice could you give in that area? I would say the number one above all else is resiliency and consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like playing the lotto. Like if you play the lotto every day, your chances to win something you're going to win something. Mm. So it's, it's, it's just a matter of how much do you play? How consistent are you? You see what I'm saying? And I think that that was number one for me is just staying consistent. Just do what you keep doing. If it's not working and if you're doing it wrong, then of course, like, you know, evaluate, change it up, switch it up a little bit. But if you want to start a shoe business where you sell shoes, Okay, then you have to be consistently trying to sell shoes okay. in order to make a sale. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Just like houses. If you want to sell a house, be consistent. Yeah. Um, so I would say consistency, resiliency was number one for me. Um, and then I would say confidence. Um, and this may sound bad <laughs> saying it, but you know, if if you don't know, you have to be confident. Yeah. You have to be confident because the moment you show that you're not confident in your answer, you're not confident in what you're doing why would I place my money with you? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and especially if you're dealing with someone who's on a different level than you, who has more money than you, who has more to lose or more at risk. Well, let's talk about confidence. So let's talk about confidence in the sense of like, when you're walking into a business meeting, which mm-hmm. um, like, what is your attire like? What is your, what is your, what is your mode like? You know what I mean? Because right. a lot of people, you know, they're like, yeah, man, I could walk into any place. Like they think there's a, there's a, uh, Smoke and mirrors behind confidence in a sense of like I, I should be able to walk up into a place with basketball you know, shorts. Yeah, with basketball shorts. <laughs> and I'm confident, man. But like I think a lot of people need to hear like the difference in like right. like how are you presenting right. yourself right. and how do you how do you right. go about those things? And I think to 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 kind of like kind of bounce off of that is that I think that there is a clear difference between confidence and ignorance. Mm. So you have to understand what your setting is. Um, if you're going into a business meeting with multimillionaires and it's in a bank, for example, um, or in their corporate headquarters in New York and you're in a high rise, I'm just giving out an example. Yeah. I strongly suggest that you don't show up in basketball shorts. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But if they ask you a question about your knowledge or if they ask you a question about your capability, you have to be confident. You have to be confident in your answer. You have to be confident in your presentation of that answer. Um, so I think that that's kind of like the clear difference there, you know, understanding the setting first and foremost, mm. 
Um, if we're all going out to a club and it's just a bunch of, you know, different investors or different people that you work with and it's more social and it's like, it could be a cafe or something like that and it's more informal, then okay, understand that setting. Mm. But yet again, in your presentation of yourself, presentation of your efforts and your capabilities, you have to be confident. What if, what if people, um, you know, there's, uh, there's that, there's that thought and that idea of like, okay, well, this is not me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and, and I don't know, like I've heard this from people cause I have conversations with different people and they're just like, what if it's fake? What if I'm like, you know, if I'm showing up to a place and you know, I'm all dripped out, you know, yeah. looking real nice and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, I'm fitting the scene, but I, I'm not myself. I don't feel like this is like who I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, I mean, do you navigate through that or like, what do you tell those type of people? I would say that I've actually had situations like that because I'm very antisocial, mm. to be honest. Um, and, you know, I get invited to company dinners and stuff like that from like different businesses that I work with. And for me, I really don't want to go because I'm antisocial and I get uncomfortable and I don't like socializing with people too much. <laughs> get so, away from me. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's just like, you know, yeah. I'll be there. I'm cool. Like, just don't talk to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for me, <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was always that you know, like, am I being fake if I'm trying to be social and go and talk to people and things like that? And I had to realize that you know what, like, I have to be confident in my anti-socialism. Like, if I don't feel like talking right now, then you know, I, I don't I'm have to. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to go out and, yeah. and and be the most social butterfly. Yeah. In the party. But I'll be there, and if someone comes up to me, I'll have a conversation with them. I'll try to be open, you know, things like that, and exchange uh, thoughts and exchange words with that person. So for me, it's, it was always, I think it's 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 a sense of be yourself and be okay with being yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Um, now, if you want to be a public speaker, and that's your goal, but you don't like speaking in front of people, then maybe you should look at, you know, you think that, you know, every time I go up to do a public speech that I'm not being myself. And it's like, maybe you should look at doing something different because yeah. you know, that doesn't really fit within the parameters of what you're comfortable doing. Yeah. So, um, I think that that, that, that is like one of the keys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like that, that's super important for people to hear because I think sometimes people look at it as like a missed opportunity. Like if I'm antisocial or if I'm, mm -hmm. you know, like not being the, the life of the party or right. whatever, but, um, just to kind of piggyback off of what you, you know, you just mentioned, it's like, you know, I've been to places where, you know, there's, you know, millionaire, different people at mm -hmm. this function. Yeah. And I feel like the people that you're supposed to meet, they find them their way to meeting you or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I've always felt that way, you know, when I'm at different places, I'm like, okay, well maybe I haven't talked to this person or I haven't yeah. talked to this person, yeah. but you know, the right person comes to me and it's like, Hey man, like uh what do you do man and yeah. they're just like and they're they're so aggressive or yeah. not but like it's so like, like interrogating yeah like, almost, and it's just like but it's okay, perfect well, yeah, yeah yeah it's perfect because they were the person that you were supposed to talk to maybe for that whole right. night maybe out of all the people yeah. or whatever that one person is a person that 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 opened the door to right. something that you didn't expect right. exactly yeah. exactly and, and i think it is that too because it's, it's almost like a fate you know because being the most social person in the, in the party, they may see that as, oh, this guy's aggressive. Like, yeah. this guy's always, you know, like, talking to everybody. So <laughs> yeah. he's all over the place. But, yeah. you know, you can kind of single yourself out by being that outcast. It's okay to be that, you know, to be that person, you know. For me personally, I work best 
in solitude. Like I, I just kind of like shut everything out and I just like hammer out everything I have to do. Yeah. Um, and that's always been the most effective way for me to work. Um, but opening up those horizons and actually accepting more input from other people and actually delegating to other people can actually expand your horizons as well. Totally. So I think, you know, you have to have that balance, but, but yeah, no, definitely. I've had experiences like that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to, you know, just, uh, like, um, talking about CP3 development, um, just in entirety, what makes you different as far as like a company than, I mean, you mentioned a few things as far as like, uh, the shift or whatnot, but what are, what are things that you're looking to, uh, you know, evolve in that space? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that w- what makes us different is is whether or not we have a financial stake in a project, being that the project is owned by CP3 Development, or we're a partner in a project, or we're just a, we're, we're we have a client um, relationship with with our client, and we're basically just representing our client. We look at every project as if it were our own. Um, and when I say full service um, development firm, we literally handle everything for the client so you can be a dentist you could be a doctor or a lawyer have no idea what you're doing in development and we handle the entire process from a to z for you we and and we'll actually advise you whether or not this is feasible wow Um, and i've actually told people like i i don't think you should build this because you're not going to make money so if you're aware of the fact that you're not going to make money and you could potentially lose money building this project because it costs too much number one Mm. or you wouldn't be able to do what they call takeout financing. Takeout financing being you have a construction loan, you go through your construction loan, you build your building, and then you put permanent financing, like a 30-year mortgage on the, the building, and it takes out the construction loan. Oh, wow. That's called yeah. takeout financing. So, you know, not being able to finance the building at the end of the day, once I run the performance and I'm looking at the numbers, I've actually turned down clients and turned down projects because it's just like, I don't think you should do it. Mm. So I think that having that, you know, genuine... Um, when it comes to our approach for looking at projects and developing projects is the key. Um, and is, is it better for you to have, like if somebody came to you to have cash um, going into these projects or is it more of like you find different loans and different things to solidify that deal? Cash is king. Okay. Cash is always better. Yeah. Um, the main reason being is because a lot of subs or a lot of suppliers um, for material, especially as soon as COVID hit, the number one question that I got was when I'm bidding out my projects was, are you guys on a loan or are you cash? Mm. Um, and the reason being is because they didn't know if the banks were going to tighten up on their on their financing or if they're going to, you know, try to because actually a lot of these 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 loan docs have clauses in them. They have escalation clauses where they can actually call the loan due and they can back out. Wow. So if they do something like that and you're in the middle of your your construction process or you're in the middle of, say, entitlements or in plan check or something like that. And I mean, it kind of, it really hurts you. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, like I say, I think cash is, is always going to be better, but if you don't have cash, you can always finance. Yeah. Um, and it's again, knowing how to do it, knowing who to, who to go to. Cool. Okay. Is there any other functionalities of your business you want to talk about as far as CP3? Um, CP3 development is, is, is pretty much, you know, it's, it's my bread and butter. So like it, I literally live yeah all day working on this business, working on this, this company. So, um, it's really just, you know, to me personally, 
I get tired of talking about it. Yeah. It's okay, like, you know, okay, I'm always, yeah, yeah. I'm on always working on it. But, you know, um, it's my little baby. So it's like, you know, something I'm, I've been working on for three years now and just yeah. building it up to where it's at now. And I feel like we're really hitting a growth uh, boom right now. So yeah. um, we're looking at bringing on a few more people, um, which is great because it actually expands our horizons to do other things. Um, we're looking at projects in Mexico. Um, we're also looking at projects in other states mm. um, and just seeing, you know, how can we expand and actually think outside the box, mm. do things that other people aren't doing. Look at, um, what do you call it, modular construction, um, for example, because, for example, if it takes me 18 months to build a 23-unit apartment project um, and I can do modular construction, meaning the entire building is built in a factory, yeah. it's inspected in a factory. And then it's basically put on a truck and, and put, it's assembled at the site. Wow. And I can cut down my time from 18 months to say eight months. Mm. You have a thing called the annualized return, right? If your annualized return on that 23 unit was say 24% and you're able to cut down your time by that much, that drastically, then your annualized return may go from 23, 24%, whatever it was at yeah. to a 60% return. Oh, shoot. Because wow. the, the amount of money that you save in holding that property or in paying the property taxes and paying for, like, all the, the labor, paying for all the, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. All the delays and things like that is just, it's astronomical. So it's, like, it's a no-brainer looking at those those different ideas and saying, okay, how do I master this? How do I, like, really become an innovative builder? Because this is, I mean, this is the future. I've never, I've never tried to resist change. Mm, you see what I'm that's saying? That's good. And I think that that's, that's the key in, in anything is that you always have to be like, looking for what's coming next. Yeah. Look at Blockbuster. Blockbuster was like, okay, man, streaming. I don't think people know no. about Blockbuster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just like a graveyard. It's decimated because <laughs> you know you have you have video streaming, you have YouTube, you yeah. have Netflix, you have Hulu, and all these other platforms that that came to be now um in you know modern day society but whereas before you had blockbuster which was renting videos and things like that it was like a, a public library basically yeah. of, of movies um i'm sure they saw the change and they saw like you know things start to go digitally and they're just like ah we'll be all right and, and what happened? <laughs> and then they got replaced by a red box. Man. Oh, man. But yeah, well, this takes me to my favorite part of uh, the hype um, hour, which yeah. is the hype moment, right? Okay. And so as an entrepreneur, um, what are three, no, let's say four mm. key things that you need from a psychological point standpoint? Like what would you, what kind of advice would you give someone like, you know, you, I mean, you definitely said resilience, but like, you know, what are the things, the qualities that you need in order to, to really be an entrepreneur? I would say, um, you would have to have, I mean, taking care of yourself mm -hmm. to be, to be honest, is going to be like one of the top things, um, physically and mentally. Okay. Um, also having that balance, um, like a good work life balance, um, is very easy and it's very hard as well, but it's very easy to get kind of like you know wrapped up in work and, and that's all you do and that's all you talk about and that's all you're, you're capable of talking about to people um so having that balance where you can you know you can there's time for work and then there's also time to socialize there's time to live there's time to experience and mm -hmm. spend time with people um because if not you're gonna burn out 
Um, and that's just plain and simple. Um, so I would say that along with good mental health, physical health, because I think that the physical health is key. Mm. Um, because a lot of people can have good mental stamina or good mental health, but if their body's not physically capable of running around and doing all these different things, <laughs> it's true. It's like you, <laughs> yeah, they gonna you, have some issues. Yeah, yeah. you gonna have some problems. You yeah. can think all you want. Yeah, it's true. But you have to be able to keep up with your thoughts too. Yeah. You got to be able to to really run it and really do these things. And you're not seeing overweight overweight guys like at the highest level, right. like handling right. business right. deals. Like you that. have to be you have to be physically capable as well. Yeah. Um, and number one, I mean, you, you don't want to mess around and have a heart attack or something like that, yeah. stressing yourself out. And, totally. You know, stress levels actually come down from exercising and things like that. So it's that's, that, I think, is very important. Um, outside of that, I think having a good circle of, of people who you aspire to be like. Um, I think that there's a common misconception in today's society of who's your friend and who's not. Mm. Um, you know, I hear it all the time, and sometimes I even say it, you know, oh, this is my friend, this is my friend, this is my friend. And then next thing you know, you, you got a whole bunch of friends around you, but who do you want to be like? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I try to make it a point to surround myself with people I want to be like. And that's why the majority of the people I hang out with are 7 to 10 years older than me. Yeah. Um, because they're doing things, or they've been through things, they've experienced things, um, and they have different, you know, different inputs. Um, and I see them and I'm like, okay, like, I'm not going to do that, uh, yeah. but I, I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's something I can actually learn from. Um, you know, so I think that having the good physical mental health, um, having some, some really close friends that you aspire to be like that can support you and help you. Um, and then also, uh, recalling the, the, the second thing that I said, but, um, yeah, uh, basically, that good, good work-life balance um, is going to be key. You know, you have to be able to reward yourself for the hard work that you're doing. Mm. Because if you never reward yourself, what are you doing the hard work for? Yeah, you know. I see you rewarded yourself. You know, you got that uh, <laughs> yeah. that nice thing on the on on the wrist. Yeah, um, thank you. Well, man, where can we find you, man? Like, what? Like, where can we find you? Give us your socials, all that stuff. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my social media is Caleb. That's C A L E B underscore Pate. Um, that's P-A-T-E, uh, two underscores after that. Um, you can also follow CP3 Development um, on Instagram as well. Um, you could also follow VCS Training Studio. Let's go. Um, so, you know, we didn't even touch really yeah. on that, but VCS Training Studio is a private training facility. It's actually in Chatsworth, or I'm sorry, in Canoga Park. Um, and it's made for like one-on-one -on -one exclusive training. So you can go with your friends up to four people, or you can have a trainer. Uh, come wow. train you. Let's go. So. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out because I'm trying to get get yoked out. Um, <laughs> but uh, special thanks to our sponsors, Hint, and uh, yeah, this is the hype hour. Boom.